Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode 95 of Frameskip, a video game podcast with three besties tonight. Riding a little short of full strength, but hey, we're happy to be here and happy to have you listening. Joining me, normally as always, Elijah, the the local lizard man himself. Do you ever stop and just think about the fact that nobody owns the rights to the movie Dogma? Because it was a, a Weinstein Company movie? Yeah, and then the rights expired, and just nobody has them now. So, like, the movie is up on YouTube, and legally, nobody can have it taken down. But that's also why they've never produced any more Blu-rays or anything of it. Because nobody owns the rights, so they can't make it. Really glad 19-year-old me got in and uh, purchased a Blu-ray, because that might be technically, like, one of the most valuable resources on the planet now, right? Apparently, the Blu-ray is worth quite a pretty penny. I've never seen it. It is perfectly fine. Yep. I think it's really cool to like Kevin Smith when you're 15. And I think it's really cool to have a soft spot for Kevin Smith when you're 30. But um, you should also just read some more stuff and watch some more things between those two years. Uh, That other sultry, seductive voice you had heard, sorry, uh, as someone who's not always here, but someone we're so happy to have. We got Seth. Uh, Part-timer over here. 50% of the time, I'm here every time. It's great, though, because since you're on contract, that means we don't have to pay your health insurance. So we're actually uh, saving that is true. money. <laughs> Who needs health insurance in this economy? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say I don't like a whole lot of Kevin Smith stuff, but I do like the show Comic Book Men. I thought that was a, a fun show. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely had its moments. Uh, I've been rereading a lot of Kevin Smith. Actually, we're gearing up to do a Daredevil episode on Shorefox Summary. So I went back and started at the beginning of that Daredevil run that he did with uh, Joe Quesada. It's really good. It's overwritten to sh- to shoot to to high hell high water. Sorry, I forgot. Austin's not here and he's normally like my I look at him and I remember to not cuss, but he's and not then here. And then he'll give you the look of yeah, <laughs> right, right down the timestamp of, of when it was. Um, There's some disapproving look, and then you just see him typing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, a little overwritten. It feels like he's just kind of like channeling uh, his uh, his inner Frank Miller, and I just don't know how I feel about that. I think uh, mm. just let people write how they want to write, and not always do a cover song. I'm gonna say something, and it's gonna make a lot of people hate me. George, are you ready? bring it on baby yeah frank miller is the most overrated comic writer of all time his daredevil run was really good i don't have a problem with dark knight returns i have a problem with everyone copying dark knight returns like that that's like the annoying part (laughs) i have a problem with dark knight returns two sequels yeah those weren't the best work but also i don't know like i think you should be allowed to make bad art too you know like it's not like one of those things like take the pencils out of his hands you know like it's not like that it's just like all right well this doesn't mean nearly as much to me as the first thing you did. But also, I was 14 the first time I read Dark Knight Returns. I was very impressionable when I was 14. Yeah, I feel like it holds up pretty well. I just, I mean, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You're allowed to make bad art. I just am also, you know, allowed to say, I think, that he's not it, that great. It sucks, yeah. Um, <laughs> I really liked his Daredevil run, but that's it. I've only read it once, and I haven't read it since I was in high school. But I thought, like, introducing Electra, I thought all that stuff was, was killer. And uh, Born Again is, I think, actually better than Dark Knight Returns and probably better than Batman Year One, but hey, this is a video game podcast, and I yeah, we gotta net that in the bud real quick. Yeah, 
we could so easily just go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> Elijah, I'm going to start with you. What have you been playing this week? So uh, I finished playing through Bloodborne again with my friend. Basically, I platinum did a second time, even though I couldn't get any more trophies. I just literally we played the entire game together. Uh, I also finally got the Resident Evil 5 Platinum. A friend and I played through that on professional difficulty, and that had moments of being hard, but also it was so much easier than I expected. The big thing I've been playing, though, is I played through and got the Platinum in Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. How was that game? Yeah, give me a quick, like, two-minute review of Final Fantasy Stranger of Origin. So, uh, gameplay-wise, the game is really fun. It has the job system. You can switch different jobs and each has its own special attacks. And, you know, it, it has very Final Fantasy tropes in the combat, which is awesome because it's from uh, Koei Tecmo. It's the team that made the Neo games. The story is when it ends, you it comes together and you see how it fits into being a prequel to Final Fantasy 1. Um graphically this game is imagine looking at your screen and you have like a hand full of like Vaseline and smear it and that's kind of what the game looks like Seth is nodding his head because he normally has a handful of Vaseline <laughs> while looking at a screen I just, that was uh, a very descriptive <laughs> Vaseline kind of grosses me out I don't, I don't know it's a um, very eldritch substance I don't like it <laughs> I'm just imagining Thulu anyhow. Uh, but yeah, like the, the the graphics seem kind of not not even exactly blurry, but and then I also had a problem and I think it might have been patched out um, where all of the characters were having like neon colors under their eyes when they in cutscenes. So like you just see the characters and then just like neon blue on their eyelid underneath. It was so like really Haley Williams eyeshadow circa 2011. I love Haley Williams so much. No, her eyeshadow was wasn't even remotely as bad as this. And Haley Williams circa 2011 was fantastic. I really liked Haley Williams circa 2005, except in a lot of the music videos, she would wear like uh, like Philadelphia Flyers shirts, which I didn't appreciate as a Bruins fan. But besides that, um, yeah, really formative part of my youth. God, that those early albums were so freaking good. Um, crash, crash, incredible, crash, incredible. Nothing compared. I'm okay. Uh, so number grades are dumb, but if you had to give a number to it, let's say number for graphics. Graphics, I'm gonna say a five. Okay. Uh, like number cutscene, cutscenes are good and stuff, but the actual game gameplay looks rough. Gotcha. Number four story. I'm going to say 6.5. Okay. Number four gameplay, like the minute to minute stuff you're actually doing with your hands. 9.5. Awesome. All right. The gameplay is fantastic in it. Cool. Uh, trophies. Very easily attainable. Cool. And, I think I, uh, I have like 25, maybe 30 hours in it. Cool. All right. That answers and, my, my question. And there is, I don't know if it's going to get patched out or what, but there's a glitch. There's a trophy for beating the game on chaos difficulty right now. That's like the hardest difficulty. You unlock it after you beat the game right now. You just need to beat one mission on chaos difficulty and it gives you the trophy. Oh, damn. So I need to buy that game right now. Also, 
there is a mission that you don't even need to kill an enemy. You can just run past everything. You just search for a chest with this one item. And as soon as you find it, the mission ends. And it takes, like, five minutes. Tight. Tight, tight, tight. And you can keep leveling that up because there's another trophy for beating a level 200 mission. Because it goes by item level and not so much your character level. And you can just keep leveling that up and just do that one, give it to you again. Um, I've heard people say that this is, they think this is like a parody almost of Final Fantasy 1 and that it seems to be, um, what's the word? The Power Rangers G.I. Campy. It's supposed to be very campy. Or do you think it's just a really bad, they didn't mean to be for it to be campy? Honestly, I've been wondering that myself because half the time Jack, the main character, does stuff that you as the like player think, which made like so all the time like the the bad guy will be doing like a monologue and eventually Jack just goes, "Oh, just shut up and start the fight." <laughs> and it's one of those things where they're like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm just waiting for him to stop talking so I can fight." And it's like just different stuff like that. So it's like I can't tell if it's trying to be campy or not. And yeah, I don't know. Um I can I just have a sidebar real quick about Final Fantasy? Yes. I have for years been wondering why Square Enix has been seemingly trying to capture more of the Western audience with their Final Fantasy games and make them more westernized because that is not what we want over here. Yeah, it's not it's not why the west started playing it. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So, but I came across this fascinating bit of information that I think I've I've started to concoct concoct con concoct concoct. concoct. <laughs> I like concoct brain, though. <laughs> my brain just shorted out for a second there. Um this theory so what I found out was now I'm not an expert on this at all. I just ha- heard this is that the Japanese love, and this might be true for uh, more Asian countries than I thought. They love Western, um, like culture, like uh, fashion and music, and yeah. like I guess I guess country music is like massive in Japan for some awful. Godforsaken reason. Um, is big over there, I call it. I so it. what I'm wondering is, what if this whole time they haven't been trying to capture the Western audience? They've been following the trend of Western entertainment culture and like like being huge over there. Do you see? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Like, what if they were actually just still focused on their own area? It, it was just that they were following a trend. That's that a like, really interesting theory. I, I, yeah. I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, it, it hasn't ever made sense because we, the, like, the more modern Western Final Fantasy games have never taken off over here. They've been pretty poorly received ever since they took started taking this route. Um, probably starting with, I would say, Final Fantasy 13. Just a, just a thought. Man, the irony, too, of just like, I feel like video game nerds in particular, like, love Japanese culture. Right. <laughs> so, uh, right. That, that is such an interesting problem to find themselves in. 
I think I it makes sense. I don't know how to back it up or prove yeah. it, but like I, I, I think that's yeah, it makes sense to me. It's just something that I thought about because like, it just doesn't make sense why Square has like almost bastardized the Final Fantasy series with um, 15, which I know is hit or miss with people, but clearly very different to what you know more traditional Final Fantasy games were. And then now this Stranger of Paradise, which these guys straight up just drop into the, the Final Fantasy world with like Gucci clothes. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't make any sense at all. Please, but, they're not Gucci clothes. They're literally like uh, Fruit of the Loom. <laughs> Okay. Like for, Walmart, for Walmart, you bought a pack of colored shirts for five dollars. Yeah, so. it's a good look, though. Yeah, it's not wrong. It's really yeah. funny. I got a friend uh, who I play Deep Rock Galactic with all the time, and his favorite video game of, of forever is Final Fantasy Nine. And he mm-hmm. loves Platinums like he has more trophies than I do. I'm always like chasing him in terms of uh, Platinum counts. And he has long said that like he wants the last game he plays to be Final Fantasy IX. Like it's a little bit like Desmond from Lost. He's just like the last book he wants. (laughs) I'm saving this Charles Dickens book to be the last one I ever read. He's not Irish or Scottish. I apologize. I just slipped into it. Um, (laughs) I do the same thing. My accents all run together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I cooked dinner tonight. I might have had a a beverage or two. So uh, everything's blending together. Uh, and he was like, I told him, I was like, well, you actually have Final Fantasy 15. It's got a pretty easy platinum list. Like there's like one tough, like boss battle trophy that just takes forever. Right. The Adamantoys. Yeah. Turtle, yeah. Right? Uh, I told him that and he's like not excited to check it out, but I just think it's so funny that like he thinks the pinnacle of gaming was Final Fantasy nine. And like, I don't think he's touched one since 12 because of the very thing you're talking about where like it just did slowly become more Western appealing, I guess is. Yeah, I mean, like right Final, Final Fantasy 15 is a a Western. I mean, it's obviously not a Western RPG, but it it's essentially in all gameplay and an element. Focus, yeah, like it's a it's a Western RPG. Man, they so, don't need to copy the gameplay. They just need to copy the Western menus, because I still think JRPG menus are like, honestly, the biggest thing holding me back from getting into it. Like if it's if it's crappy UI, like that's that's a tough sell for me. Like if I'm going to mm-hmm. be spending so much time in menus, I want to be like navigable and intuitive I, and i can understand um why that would hold someone back for me personally just because i think just because i'm such an rpg fan like i love that man like i'm all about digging through menus and min maxing my character and um you know making a strategy in turn-based combat that's all i love that oh i don't mind digging through menus i just want the menus to be like more clear is, oh, okay. is my thing i see i see like I spent so much time in like the Skyrim inventory system, you know, and like that I don't mm-hmm. think is perfect, but it's like closer to what I think is like makes sense for the controller you're holding in your hand. But it always feels like, you know, when you're on your computer and you're like trying to like make every window the exact size, like fit on the screen just so you mm-hmm. can like what like have something streaming while like responding to an email while also like having like your text up or whatever. And it just like you get like so cluttered and claustrophobic. Like that's how I feel looking at like a JRPG menu. I think the worst one with that is probably Final Fantasy VIII. That, yeah, that menu system is disgusting. That's funny because that's the game I've like probably spent the most time with Final Fantasy wise <laughs> in the past year. <laughs> See, it can only get better for you. <laughs> oh, perfect, Elijah. Anything else before we move on to Seth? No, that's really everything I've been playing. Cool, cool. Seth, have you been playing anything lately? Uh yeah. So this past week, I've just put an insane amount of time into work. Pretty much all I've done is, is work and sleep, and then go back to work. It's been exhausting. Um, I'm at the tail end of that now. I've just got to go in tonight and then I get tomorrow off. But um, I played a, a lot more of Elden Ring 
And I'm at the point now where like I'm at a crossroads where I'm kind of tired of playing Elden Ring and I just want to finish it. But there's also like a, this exploration part of me that's like, you need to go see more of this stuff, get these cool weapons that you keep seeing and whatnot. So I think I'm, I might just take a little break um, from Elden Ring. And I've been looking for something that's like like more relaxing, not so much like exhausting to play and, and high strung where I if Caitlin, you know, draws my attention, I die immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started playing Bioshock Infinite again today. And Ooh. Hmm. I say it, it looks great on PC with maxed out settings. Um, I don't know if I'm going to stick with it. It just what when I'm playing Bioshock Infinite, I'm like, man, this game really is special. Like Bioshock Infinite is my favorite out of the three Bioshocks. Understandable. Yeah. Um, I think I mean, obviously there's the time travel story, and I love time travel stories. I'm a sucker for them, but I hate it when they're done badly. See um DC's Flash character for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but other than that, I don't think I've been playing anything. I'm I'm really like looking for something to play, but I haven't found it yet. And I think that might be because um, Chrono Cross, the Radical Dreamers editions comes out on the 7th. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm ready to jump in. I know I'm not nervous at all. Like, like from everything I've seen of it, it looks great. And I'm really excited, actually, because Chrono Cross, for reasons that are you know too technical for me, has never emulated right. So the the best way to play Chrono Cross is actually on a PS1. Because when you upscale Chrono Cross, the characters' faces get like really jumbled and messed up and, and the graphics start like glitching and whatnot. I I don't understand why, but it's notoriously been the hardest game to emulate on PS1. And now they've gone back and fixed that and the game looks really clean. It looks great. They redid the the character faces in like the actual models. And the artwork, and and um, they've even touched up the soundtrack, which is, in my opinion, the greatest soundtrack in all of gaming. So, I'm really excited to go back and play Chrono Cross again. I play it usually once a year. I didn't play it last year, um, but that is a game like I, I don't. I think we've talked about it in the past, like games that like we're absolute like masters at. I can beat Chrono Cross without saving the game. It's it's a it's a 20 hour game, so usually I'd save, you know. But I can absolutely like not die once in that game. I damn so good at that game that's all before before we move on to what i've been up to this past week uh i want to ask elijah because uh yes. seth i think i think you raised an excellent uh interesting point is there anything in your life that you do annually like is there anything you revisit culture wise um once a year i play through resident evil 4 straight playthrough just sit down play i think my best time so far is like 10 hours and 45 minutes um that's really it. Yeah, I don't really do that with games. I haven't revisited a game like that. Um, I'm like Skyrim is probably the closest one. Like whenever it comes out on a console, but that's not annually. I used to reread uh, DC's Crisis on Infinite Earths every year and Marvel Superhero Secret Wars every year, just because those were like two of like the biggest, craziest comic book stories. And so I used to like sort of ring in the summer every year doing that. Now the closest thing is like. I'll rewatch Lord of the Rings like around like New Year's and I'll generally probably like watch Harry Potter uh, in Chris uh, like around Christmas time. And every Christmas Eve, I rewatch Gundam 0080 because that takes place right around Christmas. Mm. And so that's uh, those are my recurring. I think the only other 
thing I have would probably be also a Christmas thing where it's uh, on Christmas Eve. I watch Die Hard and on Christmas Day, I watch Nightmare Before Christmas and the Beatles Yellow Submarine. Very cool. You for fun watch the Beatles Yellow Submarine. I love that movie. It's so experimental. That's British for experimental. (laughs) I would have never guessed. Experimento. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I lived in Europe for a bit. I just not everyone knows that. I think it's crazy that we always think that like they talked like that back in the day. And that's how like we developed the accent. But realistically, they talked more like us and they developed that accent to sound fancy. Like yeah, screw those. War. Screw those weirdos with their their hunting rifles and their raccoon skin hats. We don't need them. <laughs> I, say, I can't really say anything because one of my best friends is British. And so, like, I find myself slipping into an accent all the time without even thinking about it. Like, I'll just be at work and I'll say, like, hey, Megan, can I something or other? And then she's like, why are you talking the accent again? I'm like, oh, I didn't Megan, talk. I should talk I in hold a British... the lift for you? <laughs> I, I talk in a British accent constantly for fun is that offensive maybe (laughs) that's fine for some reason whenever i talk to my one cat i always speak in a scottish accent i don't know why that's pretty funny maybe your cat's scottish i like that yeah don't see (laughs) oh look at that little wee lad giving himself a lick (laughs) (laughs) that's great actually (laughs) yeah All right, my dudes, I don't know how I found the time this past week. I slept probably like four to five hours a night every night for the last week. So I managed to cram in so much stuff. I've been absolutely miserable. One, I finally managed to like edit an episode of uh, Short Fox Summary. So it felt great to get an episode after like a 10 day, two week hiatus. So that was awesome. Besides that, I got a four hour D&D session in yesterday. Felt amazing. I played some more Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. The more I play those games, the more I like them. Uh, I still think it's like. <sighs> I, I hate that art style. That's all I'm going to say about it. I don't the OG or the remakes? Uh, the remakes. Ah, I see. Uh, Deep Rock Galactic still going ham on that. Uh, I started Tunic. Tunic is a very, very special game. Uh, plays great. Uh there's all these signs in the game that's like a foreign language. So like you literally like don't know anything. And as you progress through the game, like you start to like understand more of what it's telling you. Uh, There's these collectibles throughout the game. That's like literally the game manual that you put together. Really, really cool. I will say, I think that art style, that art direction was really, really interesting when that game was like first announced, what, 2015? I think that was E3 2015. Like I think it was the same E3 as Fallout 4. And it's just uh, every other piece of art has like sort of caught up to like that minimalist, super clean aesthetic. And so like, I no longer think that art style is interesting mm-hmm. or unique the way it was when it was first presented. That said, mm-hmm. it's still like obviously a very pretty game. The music's great. The the combat's good. And it, it's, you know, it's like, oh, it's hard. It's like, no, it's not hard. I'm just like not very good at it. Uh, besides that, I also started Ghostwire Tokyo. Ooh, tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I love it because it's like Japan, like the studio clearly wanted to do a first person shooter, but they just made it Japanese as hell. It is. I I don't have like a huge tolerance or threshold for horror. So like I started playing this game at like 11 o'clock at night. So I only played like an hour because I was getting like too spooked out because like the two main villains in the first area are like these 
dudes in suits and umbrellas and a briefcase. And like, I find that unsettling because they just have like, you know, completely featureless faces. And they just walk towards you with like really like bizarre alien anatomy. Like just like the way they move is just so unnatural. Like they, they did such a good job with like the actual like animations for that stuff. Cause it's the, the fact that they made a walk creepy. I don't want to sound like ableist or anything, but like the man, they figured out how to just spook that crap up real good. And the other enemy I see is um like headless schoolgirls, which I also find super unsettling. And I, this isn't spoilers. This is like the first 15 minutes of the game. Um, really, really good. And it is interesting because it is just like, okay, what if we made a first person shooter? Well, we don't really like guns that much. It's like, okay, well, what if we did a first person shooter where you shoot wind magic out of your hands? They're like, okay, now you're talking. And like, that's kind of what you're doing. Um, really, really cool. Really bizarre. The one thing that's a little frustrating is, um, the game's in Japanese. So there's like, uh, English subtitles down at the bottom and that's fine. But like, there's conversations that happen throughout the game. And it'll happen during the action. So, like, I don't see that because, like, I'm busy trying to stay alive fighting these spirits or whatever. You know, you know so, there's like, an English dub, right? Not in the game that I first started. I thought it was just Japanese. There's an English dub. Okay, that's that's freaking huge. There was no option to do that that I saw when I first started my game. I really I wish I'd done I'm, that. Pr- just I'm pretty like, sure. Okay, I will, I'm sure there is. I will I will double check. It seemed weird to I, me that uh... it wasn't. <clears throat> I heard them talking about it on Sacred Symbols. You, apparently, you can actually switch it in, in okay. the menus or something like that. Okay, that's really good to know. But again, like it was just like frustrating, just like having a conversation between two pretty important characters that I just was not able to pay attention to because, uh, again, got to shoot that wind magic. But like everything is just like really interesting and and cool and bizarre. And uh, I'm excited to play more of that game during daylight hours. I am so excited to play that this summer. So You're getting to this summer, yeah. I uh, I originally was going to get it when it came out, but because of not having a PS5, I'm like, I'm not going to worry about it right now. And right now, you know, just all my money is going towards PAX East and then the wedding. And then after that, right after that, literally like days after we come home is the Centennial story or Centennial case from Square Enix. And that same week is Vampire the Masquerade uh, Swan Song. So I've got mm-hmm. plenty to play there. So it'll, I'll get to it sometime this summer. God. How is PAX East not the bachelor party? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> God, that'd be um, a perfect bachelor party. We didn't think yeah, of that. God, we're dumb. Or did we? I don't remember. No, we, we didn't. Uh, I got a few more things to talk about. And then uh, then we'll move on to the topic of the show. Guys, I watched my first WrestleMania ever this weekend. I heard it was fantastic. Oh, was I, it two days? Was it two days? Yeah, yeah. they did th- like That's three, four hours on Saturday and then three, four hours on, on Sunday. Um, I never got into wrestling. I think it's like one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen just between like, it's, it's so much more fun when you just like buy in and just like accept like the ridiculous fiction, Mm -hmm. like happening in front of you. I think that's completely necessary. If you just go in thinking it's going to be dumb, you're going to have a bad time. But if you just sit there thinking like, I want to be entertained, I want to have fun. It's a blast. And like, I went back and I watched Royal Rumble 99 after, because like all that stuff's just like on Peacock now. Oh yeah. Thankfully. Uh, my partner Leah, she signed up for Peacock so she could watch uh, whatever that dumb show Kevin Costner. Not it's not dumb; it's actually really good. Um, Yellowstone. So like we got mm-hmm. Peacock, and so she can she can watch that. And I just watch Royal Rumble '99, and I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna watch Royal Rumble '97, '98, and uh, probably a couple uh, random WrestleManias. Uh, incredible stuff, super fun. I also watched two whole animes this week. Whoa! Oh, two whole I, animes in a week. Wow. Yeah, I mean, they were 
10 and 25 episodes, but still. Uh, I watched Gundam Build Fighters because I was talking about it with nice. Elijah. And yeah. I told him that it was basically if Gundam and Zoids had a baby. And I, d- I watched it again to make sure. And boy, howdy, was I right. It is just what was, uh, was New Century Zero was the one with like uh, Bit McLeod. Yeah. OK, yeah, it's, it's just that with Gundam. It's incredible. It's awesome. I also watched Katara Lives Alone on Netflix, which is about a five-year-old boy who's just on his own inexplicably and moves into an apartment next to like this down-on-his-luck manga artist. And I'm not saying it's like Ted Lasso, but I'm saying it gave me Ted Lasso levels of like optimism and just like hopeful and like sweetness. Great vibes on that show. Super awesome dub too. Hmm. Dubs have come a long way, man. Yeah. yeah, geez, Louise. Yeah, I've been watching Gundam Wing, and like, it's not even the dub that's bad. Like, like the script is just atrocious. Yeah. Elijah, I know you love Gundam Wing. I love Gundam Wing. Gundam Wing. Tell you is... how much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna tell you how much I love Gundam Wing with this next thing I want to talk about. But like that, you have to admit that script is just a oh, pile bad. of dog. Terrible. Oh, it's awful. My my favorite Gundam series is Mobile Fighter G Gundam. Trust me, I understand. <laughs> dance with me, Domo. Dance. <laughs> undefeated of the east <laughs> have like, you dude. seen my brother kyoji <laughs> kyoji <laughs> i'm looking for this man i love g gundam too man it's my favorite <laughs> like i another, love g gundam but i totally get it <laughs> another atrocious again not even the voice acting i could it, they bad direction i think and just absolute just dog for years i have been meaning to go back and watch it subtitled to see if the script is actually that bad or if that was just a horrible is it okay never mind yeah i got the the dvds i'm super excited (laughs) to check it out i recently recently ish watched it again and yeah yeah it's bad who cares giant robots punching each other exactly (laughs) guys speaking of gundam i've built 10 gundam models since the last time we recorded (laughs) what (laughs) you know how we were like austin was getting into gunpla and we were just like yeah man like you're gonna be like you're gonna have a super high after you finish it and you're gonna want to immediately start the next one don't wait like a day or two just to make sure you're still in the mood for doing it i didn't take my own advice and i built 10 in like an eight day period you're a madman I built an HG. So when I say HG, these are all HG, so I don't need to differentiate. But HG is like 1144 scale. So it's smaller. It's a little bit more of a simple model. There's no like inner frame or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Master Grade, you build the inner frame, which I'm doing right now for the Burning Gundam, which is just like Great. one of the most. Yeah. No, it's it's infuriating. I absolutely what? hate it. Yeah, it's such a pain in the ass. I don't like anything I have to use a screwdriver with. I don't yeah, really use a screwdriver for the burning. You have gun. to screw together. You have, you have to screw together the inner frame of the kit. And it's just, it was like one of the first master grades. I think they hmm. made it was from like the year 2000. I just don't personally love it. Yeah, I yeah. have it. The, the thing that you can be rest like happy about though, is that the, the kit holds together. Great. Yeah. Once, you, once you get it. Oh, it's yeah. super sturdy. Yeah. That yeah. part I am really excited Where about. And it seems like, it seems like the panels are going to pop off really easy. So I can actually like paint this one in a way that I don't feel like I can do with like the HG kits. Like I feel like I have to disassemble those. This, I feel like I can just pop off and that's really cool. That's my favorite uh, part of the process is customizing. it. It's really nice. Uh, I built a HG GPO three from Gundam 0083. I built a power GM from Gundam 0083. I built a blue destiny GM from the manga blue destiny, which is actually pretty solid little, little manga. I remember grabbing when I was in middle school, I built the HG Victory Gundam, which like 
I was so happy the first half of that kit. And then I, it started <laughs> to suck. Uh, I built the HG gun tank from the original series. Uh, that one's actually really nice. I like the treads on that. I built the entry grade RX 78, which I think was the first Gunpla that uh, Austin ever built. I built the HG Messer, which like the torso of that kit is like one of the best model kits I've ever seen. The legs on that model are some of the best legs I've ever seen. The skirt armor for that is just the biggest goddamn train wreck I've ever seen. Like it makes no sense. It's so flimsy. Like I can't pose it at all. Like I can only stand it up straight, which is great because it's like a super tall kit. Um, but god damn, that beefy boy just like can't move his legs at all. And then I built three HG GMs, which are like super early high grade kits. Those took like 45 minutes each. So I actually built like three of those in like a day. And it was wow. so much fun. Like halfway through the second one, I like had memorized the instructions and built the third <laughs> one without looking at anything. because it was such a simple kit. And they got this really nice, like they're not white the way they look on the box or in the instructions. It's got like this really nice, like cool mint color on like the what's normally like the white part of the suit. Really interesting. Uh, we're not sponsored, but newtype.us. Go to that website, set up a, a wish list, and they will notify you as stuff comes back into stock. And so everything I bought was out of stock a week ago. I get the email alert and then I immediately just sort of like uh, pull the trigger on certain kits. And that has been my week. <sighs> Next week, I'm excited to talk about Kirby. I'm excited to play more Ghostwire Tokyo. It's going to be freaking awesome. I'm back. I got my gaming vibes back. Attaboy. Hell yeah. That's what we yeah. like to hear. And now... We're going to move on to the topic of the show in a second. Actually, I lied. Seth, you got something you want to say. You, you were moving your mouth. Oh, no. Well, a while ago, we were talking about the burning Gundam kit, and that was my second Gundam kit I ever made. But did you know there's a super rare gold version of that kit for when he's in hyper mode? It's I've hard seen to it. find. Yeah, I've seen it. I don't love the hyper mode kits just because I feel like everything that's like gold plated looks really good until you have to like actually cut the plastic yeah because like i don't think it's like actually gold plastic it's gold plated right or like gold painted yeah the the old ones are but there is a um there's a newer master grade with a very japanese name that's a gold gundam and that is actually gold plastic and it holds together very well if you ever want something a little different on your shelf yeah well, it's just like when you're cutting it off the runners, you know, like you mm-hmm. get like gold, gold, gold. And that's just like a dark plastic bit from where you like cut it. And it's just like, oh, yeah. buddy, that's that's not a great look. So is that your first master grade? Oh, no, dude, I've been building gun models since I was like 10 years old. Well, this I know was... I know you normally st- uh, stick to the high grade line, though. So I, was I stick to the high grade because that was uh, when I was a kid that was like in scale with like my Gundam action figures, like my mobile right. suits in action. Uh, no, I've got like a. Let's see downstairs what I have. I got like a high grade Nemo, high grade Wing Zero. I really want the high grade GPO two from Gundam Double Eighty Three. I think that's like one of my favorite kits, and I really want like the the new Gundam Verka from from Shars Counterattack. It a masterpiece. Uh, is that not how you pronounce it? No, no, no. Verka. I'm, I'm just. I said that because like Verka are, are known to be not only hand grenades but like very in depth as far as like building. I haven't built a Verka yet. I'm too scared. Yeah, no, I hear it. I'm scared of that. I'm scared of the perfect grades, too. Those just look way too oh, intense. I want they're so expensive. So I just, I just Some, don't want to Someday, I'm going to put down the money and grab the perfect grade strike freedom. Oh, it's so big. It's so cool, though. I yeah. Oh, it looks... I I'm at a point now where, like, I don't know what to do with my kits. They're all packed up in a way. I have no idea what to do with them because, like, I don't want to put them on my shelf, but I, I, I also want to display them somehow, and I don't know. 
I got some some expensive bad news about what I need to do to fix my home. There's some some leakage in the basement. And so I think I, we're just going to like rip the bandaid off and just like spend a lot of money and like waterproof. And then f- once it's waterproof down there, we can actually like finish the basement, mm. get some like vinyl flooring down there. And then, oh, my God, I'm so excited to unpack all my Gundams, all my Transformers. Just have like a little comic book room down there. I am the awesome stoked beyond hell. The awesome. All right. Now, are we ready to move yes, on? To the yeah. All right. That brings us to the topic of the show. Let's freaking do this. Sony came out, I believe, last week and announced that there would be changes coming to their PlayStation Plus memberships. The PlayStation Plus and the PlayStation Now that you knew is no longer around. We are now getting three tiers to PlayStation Plus. Uh, first things first, PlayStation Plus Essential. That is everything current about PlayStation Plus. You get two free games a month, exclusive discounts, you get cloud storage for your save games, and access to online multiplayer. Great, dandy, wonderful. Everyone, if you have PlayStation Plus, you have PlayStation Plus Essential. And uh, those prices are staying the same, I believe. It's $10 a month, 17 to $24.99 quarterly, and uh, $60 a year. Like, that's neat. Now we're getting into PlayStation Plus Extra. PlayStation Plus Extra has everything from PlayStation Plus Essentials, as well as a catalog of up to 400 of the most enjoyable PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 games, including blockbuster hits from our PlayStation Studios catalog and third-party partners. Games in the extra tier are downloadable for play. That's wicked cool. That's just a combined PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus. Wicked. Should have been combined a long time ago. Good job, yeah. guys. Right. Have they stated they're actually combining the service? Like, PlayStation Now is going to no longer exist? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is fine. Like, we talked about this, like, ad nauseum before. But, like, I think PlayStation Now is, like, actually a great service. It's just the marketing behind it sucks. Like, they just don't mm-hmm. know how to sell it. But I think they're going to sell it now. Uh, and then, finally, we've got PlayStation Plus Premium. It provides all the benefits from Essential and Extra. Adds up to 340 additional games, including... PS3 games available via cloud streaming, a catalog of beloved classic games available in both streaming and download options from the original PlayStation, PS2, and PSP generations, offers cloud streaming access for original PlayStation, PS2, PSP, and PS4 games offered in extra and premium tiers and markets where PlayStation Now is currently available. Customers can stream games using uh, PS4, PS5 consoles, and PC. And time-limited game trials will also be offered in this tier, so customers can tr- uh, select or try select current games before they buy. Um, on paper, this seems like a win. On paper, this seems like a huge, long overdue change. I am not particularly thrilled about this, but I'm going to defer to you guys first. Uh, who wants to tackle th- this son of a gun first? Elijah, you go first. So I am of two minds about this. First off, I am one of those people I like to own my games. So it's hard for me to really think about like a service where I'm basically renting them. Um, But when I think about what it is, like what it's doing, I'm curious what the list of like PS2 and PS1 game, PSP games is going to be. Because I'm wondering, are they the games that are on the PS3 store right now? 
because since they obviously still in a way have the rights to sell them, I wonder if it's going to be them. Uh, because I was trying to think of what they what they could be. Uh, the the good thing is you can download them. That's the very good thing. Now, uh, PS3 streaming. I mean, honestly, that's what we've come to get used to at this point. Except, yeah. Uh, but they did say apparently they are looking into the possibility of getting uh, an PS3 emulation running on the PS5, but it could take a while. And this is all from someone like they, they haven't said that it's come from a different source that has like information about it. Um, but we'll have to see again. It's I, I I think it's a good service. Don't get me wrong. And 120 bucks a year, I think is a very good price for it. It's the, it's the price of PlayStation plus and PlayStation now together. So it's yeah. like the same price, but you're getting more than PlayStation now. PlayStation Plus has at the moment. Yeah. So I don't think it's a bad thing, but we'll just have to see what, like, what games are on there and such. Um, I have a lot of like a tornado of thoughts about this in my head, so it might just come out like diarrhea. We'll figure. Storm it out. warning, baby. Yeah, we'll figure it out on the way there. Bat in the first, hatches. My my immediate overall opinion is that there is no way to have any sort of gauge on how good this thing is going to be until they give us the game lists. Mm -hmm. Because that's what this whole thing is going to be based upon is are the games good? And we know we're going to get some good games, but there is a lot of trash on the PlayStation network as well. that They could have thrown in there. My next thing is that this is a great way, and I feel the same way about Game Pass. If you are a parent of a kid who loves video games, this is a great way to get them an essentially unlimited amount of playtime for you know a reasonable price. $120 a year is so cheap for the hobby we have. Um, so that, I think, is a plus. The thing that bothers me is that We've been wanting backwards compatibility on the PS5 for so long, and we've been begging for it. And on the PS4, we were begging for it. I don't think anyone really understood why we couldn't play like our PS1 classics, at least, that we bought on the PS3 that were digital. They didn't work on PS4, and they didn't work on PS5. You can bring them over. But now Sony's like, all right, well, hey, we got this new subscription service. You're still not going to be able to play those copies, but you can sort of play them on PS5. But if you don't subscribe, they're going away. And I'm like, well, that's not really what we wanted, but at least there's access to those games. The, the next thing is I'm concerned with the PS1 collection because I a lot of the games that were standouts on the PS1 and PS2 were not first-party exclusives. The, the era of first-party exclusive bangers really came around in the PS3 era. Mm-hmm. So things like, you know, the Castlevania games on PS1, um, your Final Fantasy games on PS1, um, stuff like that, those games are being 
reproduced at a premium, like Square Enix is doing Chrono Cross this week, for example, you're not going to find the original PS1 version of Chrono Cross on the service. I, I can't imagine that. Unless Sony did some weird trick with the selling rights because it's still on PS3, they can just bring it over. I don't know. I, I can't imagine that you're going to see games that any publisher has any intent on reproducing, um, re- upscaling on the, on the PlayStation Network. So that I have a concern with as well. <laughs> Sorry, really quick. That would be nuts if that was Sony's solution. I honestly never considered that until Elijah brought it up until you and then you finished that thought. But like, you remember on Wii U how like if you put a Wii game in, it wouldn't play through the Wii U. You had to like literally boot into like safety mode of the Wii. Yeah. What if yeah. that becomes the PlayStation 5 emulation where you just boot into like a PS3? That's that's exactly what's going to happen, because when you play through PlayStation Now, a PS3 game, it actually is running a virtual machine of the PS3. That's low key too. like when you play like a 360 game on mm-hmm. Xbox mm-hmm. Series X and Series One, like or Xbox One Series X. That's honestly like low key, super cool, but also really annoying because like none of the buttons like yeah. when you like yep. press like the actual like Xbox button, like to try to add a friend to play like Years of War with like you're like, OK, crap. How did I do this 15 years ago? <laughs> um, Some other thoughts. Listen, they have to figure out PS3 emulation. It, there's almost no excuse for it at this point. There's communities online that are making not perfect, but working PS3 emulators. Um, It's it, we're, we're talking about Sony here, guys, like put out. A, something that allows ps3 to be emulated i refuse to believe it can't be emulated on modern hardware i I just i can't imagine that's the case other than that i mean like i said i think we really have to wait to see the games list i was kind of hoping sony wasn't going to do this because i was coping they were going to take like the apple approach and just stand their ground and be like no actually the exclusives we make are of such high quality that you're going to come to us but I think they've been getting kind of battered around recently and they, they probably had to do something to compete with game pass. Um, now they did say that day and date exclusives are not going to be on, on this PlayStation plus system. So you're still going to buy the exclusives. Um, but it's, I think the general knowledge is going to be like, they're going to come eventually. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I did like that premium feel to Sony's games, which is like, you're not going to get a game like the last of us, or Ghost of Tsushima on these other systems. That is a premium PlayStation experience. Bespoke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of hoping they were just going to stick their guns to that, but that's I mean, really I all I got. I don't see that changing at all, though. Because well, I mean, I mean they, they, they do that with PlayStation now, right now, as it is. Yes, but like in, in my opinion, that was like their whole platform was like, hey, we don't need subscription services like that. We have our like exclusives that carry our system and they're so good you want to come here um look i'm looking at a list of ps now games that are out right now mm -hmm. and dark sector is on the list so playstation now is actually worth it already as it is all right that game doesn't even have a trophy list elijah i don't want to hear it (laughs) i know makes me sad that and haze is one chanbara on PlayStation now um let's see (laughs) Elijah's I need to get, I need to get the new it's funny game. it's funny you mentioned that uh just talking to my one friend yesterday <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and uh so Oni Shambara Z2 Chaos is on 
but oh my God, not good. the newest Jesus. one, Oni Shampara Origin. Jesus Christ, Elijah. Um, I am really excited that they're finally coming up with a competitor to Game Pass. I think that the in- industry is like way more fun and way more interesting when they're competing. Like between Xbox and Sony, Nintendo is just kind of like off doing its own thing. But much like Nintendo, I find this solution to be extremely frustrating and extremely greedy. Like, I guess. I I think I cared more about games during like the 360 PS3 Wii era. Like, I think that there was like really interesting stuff coming from Sony, really just like solid stuff coming from Xbox. And I, when I say that, I mean, just like in terms of like hardware reliableness just because like there was a time when every like you know uh, multi-platform game just like generally played better on 360 than it did on ps3 you know so ps3 was kind of my exclusive machine until they more or less nipped that in the bud and then i just started gaming everything on playstation and then we again just like the switch was just kind of like doing its own weird thing but the thing i don't like is i don't like how expensive nostalgia is becoming you know like i don't want to pay 120 dollars for my childhood a year like that just seems like a lot and if i have to subscribe to one more service i said this before we even started recording like i'm gonna lose my goddamn mind like i'm just so sick of like losing money every month for something i don't own and there's just so much stuff and like i'm i easily talk myself into it you know where it's just like oh playstation plus need that so i can play online with friends that one i can justify oh hulu Okay, Netflix. Okay, HBO Max. Okay, Peacock. Okay, Disney Plus. Okay, okay, okay. And like, I understand that these are presented more like services, but like, goddamn Nintendo, like, how much money did I give you on Wii U for like the same games you're now charging exactly. me like a, a mm-hmm. monthly rental fee? Like, get the hell out of here, man. Like, I spent hundreds of dollars on Wii U digital titles and I can't even play those games now. Like, and I know for a freaking fact that like you can do it like i know you can do it (laughs) exactly and that's what like really chaps my ass about this man like i spent thousands of dollars on playstation 3 and the fact that they're like considering this i'd almost like it more if there was like no backwards compatibility to be completely honest like as as dumb and counterintuitive as that sounds if they just like planted a flag they're like no from playstation 4 forward that's when it happens and I would rather like, OK, select games will get like H2 remasters like, OK, fine. Like, I guess mm-hmm. I can live with that. But to give like this piecemeal solution, I find borderline offensive and just infuriating. And I'm going to subscribe to it because like I'm an idiot. And I, like Seth said, like $120 a year, that's 10 bucks a month. That's half the price of Netflix. That's two thirds the price of HBO. It's so, like, like, who am I to like say no 10 bucks a month for, you know, like you suck it up, you eat a lot of one paycheck and then you got games for a year like that's that's great you know but like god damn i'm just so sick of everyone like commodifying everything that i used to enjoy like i feel like people go out of their way to make cool things not cool anymore you know like they just take all the mystique all the interestingness out of these things because they figured out a way to make some more money off it and it's like bro like this sucks like this. This really sucks. Again, I'm going to do it because I'm an idiot. But like, 
it's it's just really unfortunate when like this thing that you love so much same thing with like the marvel movies to be completely honest that's why i'm getting a little like a little sour on the mcu i loved moon knight by the way just because it seemed like it had nothing to do with the mcu whatsoever so i was really happy to have like a fresh intro but it's like you know what's more important the next one like the first 20 minutes of every movie is important the last 20 minutes of every movie is important and then it's like oh man it's going to get nuts in the next one. It's like, when is it going to like, when's the nuts going to stop? When are we going to stop nuts? Like when is, right. when is it over? Like when I'm going off on too many tangents here, but that's how I feel. And I'm going to kick it to someone else for, no, it's, it's funny you, br- you bring that up because that just happened with like Pokemon cards. Like, um, it's not fun to collect Pokemon cards anymore <laughs> because it has become so greedy um not just from like you know the the pokemon corporation but like dude it is insane my walmart released like like it had to be their back stock of pokemon cards it's all the old like um like versions from the last two years the the sets and there i bet there was 600 packages on the set on the shelf like two days ago and when we went this morning there was nothing there and i was like oh my god like Mm -hmm. And these were all people like reselling them. I'm like, this is just, I don't even want to do this, man. Like, this isn't it, fun. It, it, it's when it's like the actual joy is not as important to people anymore. Yeah. And that's the problem. And like, just to be clear, there is absolutely no reason why your PS1 classics that we all spent a ton of money on cannot just run on PS5. No reason whatsoever. Yeah, you know um, how we know that because they played on PSP because yeah. they played on Vita. Yeah, tell me they can't figure that crap out for PS5. Like, I go into my downloads list and I see these games on, like, <laughs> on these consoles. Like, they're there. Yeah, I don't understand it whatsoever. And Seth, I'm so glad you brought up Pokemon cards because, like, it's so frustrating. Like, to bring it back to the other nerd stuff, but it's like I'm so sick and tired of finding out about like new action figures from going on Facebook marketplace and seeing them marked up 30% from what oh, MSRP oh, should be for like a Marvel legends or a star mm-hmm. Wars figure, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Re- reselling is like, is like such a awful greedy like industry. And I understand like everyone's trying to make their money, man, but we just saw like PC building crash the last two years because mm-hmm. of resellers of GPUs. Um, and then like, I started collecting like the SH figure arts, Dragon Ball figures. And th- when those figures go for pre-order, they sell out within two minutes. And it's like, God, like, like this, it, this makes this stuff like not fun, man, just because it's so crazy. And I just want to be clear. Like the only reason that your PS one games do not work on PS five is greed. Sony needed a marketing um, point to sell for this service. And they threw that in there and it's like, well, you probably could have done this from the launch of the PS5, but you were waiting for a good time to release it. Now, now you have one. It's like, let's be clear. If they like tweak these games, I one, I wouldn't want that. Like I want to experience these original games, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I don't watch like, was it Nosferatu? Like the original like vampire movie thinking like, oh man, these graphics suck like that. No man, it was a silent movie made in like 1920 something. Like, of course, like the frames are skippy, you know, like I, I'm willing to accept that. Hey, frame skip. We said the name of the pod. Yeah. Yeah. the thing. Yeah. Um, but like it, like Nintendo to their credit is like, okay, we brought online multiplayer to super Mario Kart. I'm like, okay, like that's, that's neat, you know, 
And I think it's more interesting now what Nintendo's doing where it's like, okay, Animal Crossing New Horizons DLC free if you have Nintendo online. Mario Kart 8 DLC free if you have online. You know, like that stuff to me is like, okay, that I think is really cool, especially since we got like Splatoon 3 coming out this year. Like I assume all that stuff is going to be offered through through that service as well. But like, man, to just like offer us the stuff we've already bought completely unchanged, completely unimproved. Like, man, can you imagine if there was like a, a trophy list for like the original Resident Evil, like the PlayStation one Resident mm-hmm. Evil, Elijah, would you lose your goddamn mind? Like, would Absolutely. you go bananas for it? Yeah, they're not going to do that, man. Like that no, sucks, no. right? <laughs> they're going to charge you recurring fees. Even if you're not playing that game, they're ostensibly charging you to play. It's it's like cable mm-hmm. where you're 80% of your bills for channels you don't watch, you yeah. know? And it's just, God damn, like, how did this become the norm? It is beyond frustrating that, like, this is going to happen to everything. It's going to happen to everything. And there's, like, no stopping it because, holy crap, do their numbers go up every fiscal quarter, man. Yeah, and it's, absolutely. And to the resellers, like, hey, quit, quit playing baby games. Quit buying my Star Wars figures. If you want to make money, like, buy a goddamn stock. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. If you're interested in turning a buck, do that. Stop buying out the goddamn retro collection for Marvel Legends. You heard it's 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 so sad to see like PlayStation classics for me specifically um, be soured in this way. And again, like if you if you've never gotten them, this is a good way to do it. Right. But for those of us, the millions of us who had huge libraries on PlayStation three, the PlayStation Classics were a game changer because before that, the only way to play PS1 games was to have them physically. And there was a limited number of them produced, right? So you had the popular ones that weren't even rare. Like Final Fantasy VII was going for, I specifically remember this, $80, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like a greatest hit to Final Fantasy VII. If you wanted a physical copy of it, which is the only way you could play it, 80 bucks. Once that digital version released on PS3, it completely crashed the scalping market for the PS1 games. And there was like some games holding on. Like I remember Breath of Fire 4 held on for a long time, but eventually they all crashed because people no longer needed them to buy or to play the game. And now we get to a point where like retro prices are skyrocketing once again because of that situation, same situation where like no one's going to boot up their old PS3 or you know their their PlayStation TV or their you know like the new generation hardware for some reason it still isn't playing these old games you've already been through this cycle once and now it's like all right well you know just buy them again whatever it's like oh god like you guys need to relax um yeah so i got a frustrating story um i well like one of my favorite uh, like ps2 games of all time is called Gundam Federation versus Zeon, and it is not oh. a good game. Like, it's just straight up not a well-made game. But it lets me play as a lot of different Gundams, and it lets me play through the original One-Year War. It lets me do it from both sides. That's freaking awesome, man. Like, I, I love that. I'm actually going to start streaming that once I, I figure out how to stream. Very excited. Uh, there was another game on GameCube that used that same exact engine. That game is called Gotcha Force. And I really have always wanted to check it out just because I love the feel of, like, that jumpy arcade shooter. And so this is a Capcom game that released on GameCube. This game in 2013, right? Complete unbox, $65.99. It's like, okay, that's a little steep. But I, I guess I get it. Complete unbox now is 564 
like for a GameCube game. Yeah, and it's like crazy. Nintendo. Actually, all you have to do is just like open your crap up, man. Like, I guess, how would you feel? Okay, qu- question here. Let's say you don't rent these games, right? On PlayStation 5. Let's say you rent the emulator. Like, access to the emulator. That would be infinitely more appealing to me. Yes. You know, yep. like, if you, it's like, okay, so the essentials tier, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5. You just, like, you get those games. Like, that's digital. That feels a little different, right? But then, like, at the uh, medium tier, the premium tier, it's like, okay, now you get PlayStation 1 emulator included it's like okay now we're talking you can play all your old disc if you own these games digitally you can get that we'll have like flash sales or whatever you know like we'll open the store back up like that to me is like way more friendly i guess to to consumers obviously they're they're not going to do that because they can make so much more money not doing that also here's a fun thing it was discovered uh the playstation 5 uh disc drive doesn't read cds like really? it just doesn't read them. Like it, it, like they did a test and it doesn't acknowledge that it exists. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Well, well that rules out PlayStation One games. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and and that's that's why I was with you. Like it'd be great, if, like you said about the emulator, but PlayStation One it literally wouldn't work because of the drive that's in it. That's well, crazy. I just think like God, it would be so freaking cool, man, if I could just like buy an external disc drive for my Switch and just like load up GameCube games through it. You know, like, mm-hmm. God damn, like it used to be so inclusive. And I say that meaning like the Wii played every Nintendo game that had ever come out at that point, you know, like digital rights pending, digital rights allowing the PlayStation three played every PlayStation game that had ever come out. And the Xbox 360 played every <laughs> Xbox game that had come out. You know, there was like a handful that didn't work. And that was pretty much it. And I guess I just don't understand how, like, in 10 years we went from, like, no, we're actually going to give you, like, it only does everything to, like, mm, okay. It does uh, a bunch of things. We're going to charge you at the door. And it's yeah. just, like, come on, man. Like, I just, it's the fact that it's, like, the nostalgic stuff. And I'm not saying I won't be nostalgic about PS4 games and PS5 games, like, years later. But I'm not nostalgic for them right now because they're pretty recent to me. But like I am nostalgic for that stuff. And it's like nostalgia is a drug, you know, and it's just like it's infuriating that like they've they've got the cure and they've figured out the way to maximize the most amount of money out of me for that. It's it sucks. Yeah. And the the crazy thing is, too, is that you're kind of stuck, man, because. You and I I don't think people realize that how dire this is like gaming history is at like like a crossroads right now because you can say right now right i i can tell you hey if you want to play those old games go buy them at the store chalk up the money for the the retro right like ps1 versions and buy yourself a ps3 and play them but in 10 years that's probably not gonna work first off you have the new problem that a lot of retro collectors are concerned about called disc rot, where your discs literally fall apart, right? That's a, that's an issue. Whether you play them or not, yeah. they, they literally fall apart. The next is like, dude, PS threes are not going to last forever. They are no longer in production. Those parts are going to age and you're going to find less and less working PS threes, especially because like old, old retro systems 
had very few parts to them compared to like mm-hmm. a PS3, right? But a PS3 is so much more advanced than something like a PS1, and it requires all these these parts that are going to degrade with time, and it's it's just you're gonna you're gonna lose access to that eventually. It's not gonna be around forever. Mm-hmm. So eventually, you are going to be forced to play these games through services like this. And I'm afraid personally that when that time comes, if we don't have these games correctly archived, they could just be lost forever. There's a lot of games that could be lost forever just because Mm -hmm. they don't sell. It's so weird how unique a problem this is to video games, too. Right? Yes. Like we were talking about Dogma earlier and it's like, yeah, man, you could probably buy that one digitally for a, a long time, you know, and if you have that, then you have that good job. You had access to the DVD and Blu-ray forever. But like Elijah said, like, oh, yeah, it's just up on YouTube now because like no one could stop it. It's like, OK, that's a solution. <laughs> you know, it's not like mm-hmm. a perfect ideal solution, but like it's at least a solution. And it's available for everyone. It's not like hidden behind something. It's just there. Yeah. And so it's just like, can can you imagine like if they just like, oh, yeah, actually, we're out of Moby Dick. Like, we just can't we just can't print Moby Dick anymore. Like, we ran out of the words used to make Moby Dick. I was like, what? That doesn't make any freaking sense. Are you serious? What does that even mean? You know, like, this is the only art form where this is like a problem. And like gaming is an art. Like gaming is like literally like the tree rings of our understanding of like building fictional realities like it's just like such an insane unique prospect that is so fragile in terms of like everything and oh god it's just infuriating like all these billionaires are nerds but like why can't a billionaire nerd invent something that just like okay we actually like here's the deal we made like an all digital playstation 3 it has a disc drive you can't read anything off the drive it reads the disc it wipes the disc so you can only do this one time but you put the game in and it just copies it to a hard drive. Like, like that's like the ultimate like dream solution. Right. Just to preserve this stuff. Like I'm genuinely considering buying a PC just to start ripping games and creating like ISO files just as like a backup because it's like, no man, I've actually spent like quite a lot of money on this stuff and I want to make sure that there's at least like some record of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you know, like I said, Discrot gives you a limited time to do that because we don't know how bad it's going to get or, or, you know, how things like the PS2 and PS3 discs are going to handle that, but it's coming and Mm -hmm. there could be a future where like that Gundam game you love so much is just unavailable forever. It's just gone. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a rough situation, man. That's, that's, that'd be a really sad day. So yeah. And it's, it's video games, you know, like I understand it's not like, Oh, it's not like the world is ending when this stuff goes away, but it's like, all right, like it's video games. Yes. But like, think about making that excuse for anything else. Like I said with Moby Dick or like, like, oh, no, we're just we're out of the colors to make Mona Lisa. Like no one can ever see the Mona Lisa again. <laughs> you know, like it just doesn't make sense in any other medium. So I don't understand why it's acceptable for this one. And I really think it's because it was seen as a hobby and not an art form for so long that mm-hmm. like people are just sort of like slow to coming around to it. And it's not just a hobby, you know, like hobbying is playing the games, but hobby is not the games. Right. Absolutely. <sighs> that I think about wraps us up. Uh, Elijah, Seth, any any closing thoughts? No, I, this good. was a good episode. Yeah, this was a good episode. This is nice. I don't think we've actually done one that was just the, the specific three of us in a hot sec. Yeah, I don't believe so. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. All right. Well, 
That was episode 95 of Frameskip, a video game podcast. You can reach out to Frameskip on Twitter. That is at Pod. Please hit us up with any questions, any comments, any concerns, any criticisms. Most appreciated. Just be cool about it. Don't be a... You can reach Elijah on Twitter at LocalLizardMan. You can also catch Elijah streaming on Twitch at LocalLizardMan. Elijah, what are your streaming days? Uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Cool, cool, cool. Be sure to check that out. Uh, sounds like he's getting back on that Elden Ring train this weekend. Choo-choo. choo All right, Seth buddy. Uh, can be found at Seth and Good. Don't follow him. Nope, don't follow him. Please. Whatever you do, don't follow him. Actually, <laughs> if you want anything, if you want to say anything to Seth, you say it to me and I'll relay it to Seth. Yeah, you tell George, he'll tell me. Yeah. <laughs> um, some fun news, Shortbox Summary, the comic book podcast I do. Um, we're going to have Seth on pretty soon to talk about Amazing Spider-Man. Was it 519 to 524? Were those the issues? We that read? sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're also going to talk about Marvel Knights, Spider-Man 1 through 12. We're also going to have Elijah, Austin, and Seth on, I believe, right? To talk about Young Avengers 7 through 12 and Young Avengers special. Also, I don't want to jinx it, but I've been emailing with someone who was pretty important for Young Avengers. And I think I'm going to get them on the podcast as well as like a follow up sort of like Coda talking about that Young Avengers series. So look forward to that at Shortbox Summary. That's where you can reach me at PurpleBird616 on Twitter. You can reach Austin at Austin J. Eller. Uh, on Twitter, and you can reach Coach uh, by messaging Elijah Austin <laughs> <laughs> or myself, and uh, we'll, we'll text it to him. We'll let him know. Thank you so much for listening to Frameskip. We will be back next week with some more exciting game news. Until then, smoochies. Bye.